You're listening to another episode of Battles with Bits of Rubber. Hey, look what came in the mail. Ooh, they look like my ni- number. My number. They are. They're, they're the number 19 punch needles that he said he was going to send, and he delivered. Amazing. There we go. Lars, you're the, Lars, you're the greatest, man. Oh, fantastic. Nice one, man. Well, I'm glad he came through. That was good, and it, yeah. postage didn't take too long, I guess. No, it, it was a nice surprise. I got home from um, from location yesterday. I've been shooting for the last three days, off today, and then shooting again tomorrow. There's a COVID compliance officer. Do you have a big hat? <laughs> I do. A very big hat. Not to do with the job. I just like your big hat. With, with a little propeller on the top. <laughs> well, we've had a really good week, actually. I've been quite busy uh, making stuff and um, making molds and, and having fun. And, and I've got some painting coming up and a couple of days filming something next week. How about you? Well, that test makeup, the picture of the test makeup you sent me looks fantastic. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we I learned a lot and we, we, had, we had fun with it. We shot some footage. And then, um, yeah, I'm basically going to, uh, I'm rerunning pieces. I ran one piece today. It's curious. I'm doing those compression molds. You know, you've got a silicon insert. And I put a load mm-hmm. of flocking in. And it's weird how when I, I clamped it together, because sometimes I used to have molds where I would inject them in this. But, this, you know, you, these are floods and they squish together. And it's funny how the, the flocking has collected on the edge on one side really badly. So I'm going to see if I can use it. But I'm running another one anyway. And for that one, I'm not going to put any flocking in it for that reason, which is a shame because I do like flocking, but it doesn't mm. work with these compression molds very well. It seems to collect curiously in that one side. That's interesting. I, I'm, I wouldn't think that that would happen, it's, that it would just stay yeah, evenly dispersed. It's weird. I don't know why. I think it might be to do with the fact that I'm using like little squeeze clamps. So they, they provide constant pressure. So I think maybe the core gradually moves in or something like that and it squeezes out one side. All right, yeah. That kind of makes sense. That is an interesting one, which doesn't happen with a rigid mold. So that's a different thing. But Hmm. anyway, there we go. That's me learning stuff. There you go. Always learning. Speaking of learning, uh, we had some some cool emails that you alerted me to. Yeah, we had some really nice ones. uh, Really cool. Yeah, no, I I was reading them and (laughs) got to confess, I got a little emotional. It's, you know, as artists, you know, we never think we're good enough and we don't really think that what we're doing matters to anybody else. We're doing it because we love it. Yeah. And to get an email from somebody that's such positive reinforcement lovely, that, isn't it? We had a that what we're doing has, has made a difference and, and mattered to, to someone's career. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. That, that was amazing. Yeah. We'll, we'll get through those and uh, we'll do them in order of um, how they came. The first one we saw, which was really cool. Uh, Alistair Murray got in touch and had some pictures of molds that he'd made from before that was surfaced. They were they were all um, ultra cow molds, but surfaced with uh, Repro One urethane and another one with an epoxy gel coat, mm-hmm. which we were talking about before, and one in in a material called Cast Aid, which I'd not heard of before. Yeah, I've I've heard of it. Um, it's made by ADM Tronics, the company that makes Prozaid, uh, but I've never never had yeah. a chance. Do to Do they use just it? like making stuff with the word aid in it? Is that it? so? They got lemonade. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Alice, he teaches. He teaches down uh, in Australia at um, mm. at Scott Latimer's school, I believe. Uh, it's a small world, man. We all 
we all kind of linked in but yeah it was lovely and he it showed is. me these molds and you know some of them he said like this one was back from 2003 made in cast aid um he can't find any reference to it now which is interesting I wonder if anybody knows if if adm tronics is still making cast aid if not why not uh, but he said it's very similar to Forton, which i haven't used hmm. Forton, but it sounds like we've discussed before very similar to jesmonites which is very similar to uh Kirk yeah. one which is like a kind of a you know, a more environmentally friendly, safer, less toxic, wash your brushes out with water material. And these are all kind of like little block molds and they look, you know, for small molds like that, which a lot of people will do, especially when they're trying stuff out, that's as big a mold as you need. So, the, you know, these would be really good. I think things may change if the molds are huge. Yeah, my, oh, there's, there's Donna saying hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping that in, even though we have the ability to edit that out in separate tracks. I still, that makes me laugh every time I hear it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's why she did it. <laughs> uh, yeah. He, my, my friend, Dave Parvin, um, who sadly passed away uh, a few years ago, um, was a, a fine art life caster. And, you know, I, I learned pretty much everything I know about life casting. from. Ouch. I don't know if you if you saw that Gracie, one of one of my cats was lying on the on the desk here, and she's been relaxing, and she just relaxed a little bit too much and rolled right off the desk and tried to to grab hold and just took my arm with her. Are you still? Are you, is she drawing blood? Are you, are you okay, you... baby? <laughs> are you? Are you I Lord. think so. Are you okay, baby? Ow. Oh my God! Yeah, look at that, Jeez. Jesus. <laughs> Are you are you okay, baby? Took oh, out chunks, silly cat. You got a couple of layers on there. Ouch. That's amazing. Ouch. Yeah, I, I yeah, I need to. I need to probably <sighs> oh put gosh. something on that. Should we put some? <laughs> should we put some music on while you go and attend to your wound? <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll that'll leave a nice nice go. scar for reference. I should probably take a picture. I should probably take a picture of that right now. <laughs> Good lord. You know, never, never miss an opportunity to get Absolutely. a, a nice... I mean, if they're stabilized and the ambulance is on the way, why not? I mean, as long as they agree to it. Yeah, sure. <sighs> there we go. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, so baby. thank you, Alistair, for that. That was really cool. Looking at those molds yeah. and seeing that we were, you know, we're not barking up a, a mad tree on that one and, and that somebody else has done this before. It's like, it's amazing. Um, th you know, th these molds are still good and they still work. I think he's also using... I think Alice, he's also using our podcast as part of his course material. Oh, cool. Well, that's nice. Well, hello to everyone that's listening to that. Um, and he mentioned something in there uh, called Wacker SF-18 Protective Film. Now, Wacker materials, I've used uh, Wacker AO7 before, which is like a, a, a caulking-type silicon, but it's very fluid. Yeah. And we've used that as, yeah. uh, as a primer for, for, for difficult silicons when you want something to stick to. Um I mean, you've got um, your uh, obscenely expensive Silpoxy. I don't know if it's crazy over there. I bought a tube. It's a, a tube. How much is a tube for you? Like the size of a toothpaste tube? About 20 bucks. I think it's about 35 pounds here yeah. for a tube of that. And it's okay. I mean, it does do the job. Don't get me wrong. It's good. But Wacker AO7 does the same thing for nothing like that. And it's... Uh, yeah. Uh, but I guess it all depends on what you you know what you like to use. But um, but we used to use that on. on well, how long does how long does that take to to set up? Ten fifteen minutes. 
it's pretty pretty volatile okay. actually so maybe that's why i don't know but we always used to use um like obviously platinum silicons are tricky to paint so we would prime them with wacker ao7 mixed with either heptane or uh, naphtha or something like that spray that on let it set up mm -hmm. and then on top of that then you could use a conventional caulking you could just use some really nice dow corning whatever it is 787 or whatever the you know bog standard good quality clear bathroom caulking um acetic acid and that would stick fine now that you primed it with that and that was that was an appealing thing because you know that yeah. wasn't an expensive thing and i do like using um psycho paint works very well too but it's something you have to mix every time and i guess you can thin it and use it. richard martin was saying about that like he thinned it and you know if they're kept sealed in cups it lasts for you know long enough for you to use during the day yeah well i think the the very nature of of thinning it to begin with gives you a longer working time you know i i thin it with psycho paint straight just with pigment in it it's mm -hmm. just too thick yeah absolutely no it's really really thick so you absolutely you definitely have to thin it and i use i just use regular old naphtha which you can buy in whatever quantity you want just from the home depot or lowe's or whatever hardware store you you want to go naphtha, get it at. yeah the naphtha and i've been cheap. using I, I went to a car like repair you know auto body shop repair suppliers and they were selling it as panel wipe for you know cleaning off panels before you paint them and i think something like a five a five liter tin was about yeah. 25 pounds which is quite reasonable for you know that much. i mean you can't buy lighter fluid mm -hmm. that cheap yeah. it's just, uh, obviously it's very flammable but yeah and that's essentially that's essentially what naphtha yeah. is it's just lighter but it's, fluid, it's really like a tin of lighter fluid is like a pound and it's fine but it's just when you want to flush out your airbrush and that kind of stuff you want to put a decent amount in it just makes sense to get a larger quantity if you've got a fire cabinet like we have steel cabinets here that i keep all the flammables in um and it's fine you know use a lot at any one time but it's just nice to have five liters of it so that when i want to use it i buy one every couple of years you know instead of having to pay out for novox every time but novox is good i mean i do like novox it's really nice yeah i have i have a, a problem with the the matte novox just because oh it's way too matte it, isn't it it's way too matte and it's a it's a fine line bef between the right amount and way too much. And mm -hmm. Then you, it, it'll leave a, like a chalky residue that yes. once it's there, you can't get rid of it. And it's, yeah. I, I've done it before where I, I normally, I will thin something down, like maybe three parts naphtha and one part Novox matte so that there's just enough matting in there to do the job. Um, but yeah, you can't use it pure as I found, cause it does, it leaves a very chalky kind of residue, but that's mm -hmm. um, why if, if if I'm working with straight silicone, you know, not encapsulated, I think Tom McLaughlin's uh, silicone art materials, his silicone finishing powder is the shit. It's, it's amazing. It actually works its way into the silicone and becomes a permanent matte oh, finish. Wow. So it's not like just, it's not like just powdering the silicone with, with talc and, it looks really good, but will eventually wipe off. Mm -hmm. This stuff work Excellent. actually works into this into the silicone. Okay, and it's beautiful. I should get some of that. I don't even know if I've ever used that. I, I don't know if we can get it over here in England. I wonder if anybody knows if we got it in the UK. But I bet you, I'm sure you can. I'd like to try some of that. I've got his book. You know, his uh, silicon art book. That's amazing. Yeah, the back, I got uh -huh. that from Bitty a, a year ago. I think. Yeah, he, that's the revised version of it. I've got one of his earlier versions of it, and it's still, it's an encyclopedia of silicone. 
That's it. Silicon art. Silica's an art material official update version 1.3 by Tom McLaughlin. And it's, it's fucking jam packed with just really good information. Have you ever met Tom? No, I don't he's think so. Hoot. Unless I met him at a trade show years ago, but we never spoke. I don't he's think. a hoot. I really like him a lot. I haven't seen him in, in several years. Uh, we did a, a thing at the complete sculptor in New York. Oh, wow. Uh, several years ago that, um, Jordu was there and uh, Josh Turi and me and Tom McLaughlin. And it, it was a great fun weekend. Josh Turi, he's a New York guy, isn't he? I think. He's yeah, a, he is. Yeah. Oh, hi, Josh. I think he listened to the show. I think he's been in touch. Um, and that book as well, I've got as well, if you can see that, The Fundamentals of Facial Prosthetics by Robert Ooh. E. McKinstry. I managed to find a, a proper copy. And it's it's basically about medical prosthetics. Yeah, I have to get a copy of that. But it's really, really, really in depth. It's really good. I don't know how much I pay for it, but I managed to find like a pristine copy. I bought it a couple of years ago, but it talk, talks you through abutments and everything. It's a little old fashioned now because we've had the whole digital scanning you know, revolution since that book was written. But there's a sure. lot of good information in there. And because it's from the medical background, they don't tend to get bogged down in the the showbiz side of things. And it's quite nice from a purely material. So that and the, yeah, you know, the Silicon Art book, I think, are really good you know grounded materials let's put the put that information up on the show notes so people can know what to look for and possibly where to i will leave these out so i'm reminded yeah i'd like that i'd like to get that that uh that medical one for christmas christmas man will deliver to you which is coming up rapidly yeah scary isn't it yeah our thanksgiving Uh, is is next thursday Oh wow! And, got something planned? Nice turkey coming in. Um, yeah, we, we Donna has got a turkey on order. She's going to pick it up on Monday, and we'll nice. cook it up. Uh, I think we got going to have a, a few family that are in our our pod, so that we're all all safe and that because the COVID's still running rampant over here and yeah. wreaking havoc. Uh, but we're going to make sure we're all staying, staying safe. Yes, I think we're due for. Well, a- we usually don't put our Christmas decorations up until, you know, at least December first. Okay, as it but should be. Because, be- but because of all this stuff, I think we're going to throw caution to the wind and put up the tree and decorations probably this week before Thanksgiving. Because why the fuck not? Yeah, fair enough. Yes, it's been a, a bit of a shit year, and if you can make things a little nicer by having some decorations up, then do it. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. But the, the, in town, the decorations. That's that's my story. Um, so yeah, so thank you, Alistair Murray, for that. That's that's really nice to see, and I'm really pleased you sent those pictures in, and um, that, that's fantastic. Um, one email we had in from Anna. Uh, Anna Randall. That's a good one. That was a really good one. And she had a whole bunch of questions, which I said, oh, I want to talk to you about this, but if you're happy, can we talk about it on the podcast? Because otherwise we'll um, get through things. But one of the things that was really cool that she was uh, championing like the, yeah, wh- I, I, I thought I was mad. You know, you're looking at all these amazing makeups and things like Game of Thrones and Chernobyl and Westworld and Fringe, the Grinch, Benjamin Button. And yeah. yet someone with like a bauble stuck in their cheek is still getting amazing views. And there was another one on Instagram uh, or Facebook this week. And I was kind of like, I didn't say anything. I just kind of sat back and, and watched with bated breath as, as, as the whole thing plays out every time. And it's a weird one, man, because you still think here's the thing. 
um, it is fun, obviously, to do stuff like that. But when you keep seeing stuff like scissors or pencils or baubles or whatever, it's kind of like it's nice if you've never seen it before. But if it's the 50th time you've seen it, it's kind of like it's just not a very original idea. But having said that, it is fun to practice. But here's my concern with it. If, if it seems to be infectious and people copy what they see, if you've like, you know, um, done a bauble and you bought a plastic bauble so it's not that sharp and what you've done is you've sanded down the edges and you've made a plate to protect your face and all that kind of stuff and you've taken precautions none of that's in the photos it's just so someone seeing that maybe doesn't realize that you've taken precautions and so they just copy it with a glass bauble mm -hmm. and then they stick it on their face and then you know someone gets cut and okay the onus is on you to not be stupid and put a, a piece of sharp something against your skin but you know i'm just a kid i'm just practicing they don't know these things so that's the, the legacy of that is you need to make that clear or you make your posts about how you made it safe but even so like you know it's still if you're at a party and someone bumps into you with, or you forget that you've got this accoutrement attached to your face and you walk into a door frame or something because you, you don't realize it's eight inches out from your face. It jams in there with a four. And suddenly those scissors are four inches shorter. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, Ooh, so don't that. So yeah, she's, it was just really nice. Thank you, Anna, for saying, yeah, thank you. Do you know what I mean? Cause you only ever hear people moan at you for being a hater. And it's like, no, I'm just, I also hate being blinded by a fucking pair of scissors that didn't need to be there. So, um, the fact that you may have seen it in a film, you didn't realize that was a lightweight safe prop or it was a digital replacement or whatever. Um, but anyway, so she was saying, thank you for pointing that out. So thank you. Anna, for well, <laughs> saying and you're that. very welcome. Um, but yeah, she was saying uh, a couple of things. One is how can you replicate, uh, a made silicon mold to run several of the same pieces. And there's a few different ways. Now, if you're talking about flat molds, you can just run a, a mold off of that. Um, but you know what I found? <laughs> This happened to me a year or so ago we had a job and i was kicking myself for not realizing this but i made a plaster mold like a nice hard plaster mold of a silica mold that we wanted to reproduce but i'd neglected mm. to stick the, the silica mold down to the baseboard so what happens when i built a wall around it flooded it with plaster came back from lunch and the silicon had was floating ah. on the surface of the plaster and the plaster had set it was like oh shit I had to peel it off basically wasted all that plaster so you actually have to attach it because it will probably float if there's any air bubbles in the silicone <laughs> uh, good good advice and you need to do that also with with 3d prints and possibly other models that you might be making a mold of because they if you don't stick it down with a a little dollop of of super glue yeah. or hot glue and you you're making a silicone mold of this 3d printed part you know that's for dram cup holders or little two ounce bottles of uh skin illustrator paint or, or whatever and you pour the silicone in there and you come back 20 minutes later to check check how it's curing and the damn thing's floating at the top yep. of the silicone and you know silicone still hasn't set up but now you've got to Right, figure out how you can weight it down without changing yeah. the I mean, object had, you're molding. I did once, years ago, I wanted to make a, a, a prop of, a, of an apple, and I did that. I, I poured silicon around the apple, completely not realizing the apples would float. And then something like that, you kind of need to basically have like a screw coming through a board and screw the apple onto it so it's sort of physically held in place. Um, yeah, it was a pain in the backside, that. 
well, not the apple. I mean, you're doing it wrong if that's the case. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's one of those things that. Uh, so you can mold. It's happened to us all. Um, the the alternative is you can make a, a, a silica mold if you're making like compression molds, which is when you basically sculpt something up, and then you make a jacket on that. So you need to cover your sculpt in clay, put a jacket on that, then make a, the jacket in something rigid, take that off, clean the clay out, put the jacket back on, pour up a silicone of it, then you can make a plaster copy, including the flange and the core, uh, as well as the sculpt in plaster, and then you can mold multiples of silicon inserts off of that, which is a very convoluted thing and absolutely is not something to be discussed on a fucking podcast without visuals because it doesn't make any sense. No, it's, there's, there, there is planning involved. It is, it can be done, but there is some planning. So it can be done, but a flat mold, very easy. But like I say, even, you know, even I fucking completely forgot to attach it to a base because it would just float. But you just have it with your sculpt, you know, your detail side up and then you make a mold of the mold. And then, um, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. But yeah, but if you're right, if you're doing stuff for show and you need 50 false noses to have one mold and have to run yeah. 50 of them, especially if you're doing it in yeah. something like foam latex where you've got the time that it has to be in the oven there's no way you can just have one mold for multiple yeah, copies that of it becomes anything. tricky because you you're trying to get two two rigid materials to align so the curvatures have to be exact so that's why the silicon insert mm -hmm. mold makes sense because um the the flexibility of the silicon can accommodate those discrepancies and you still get gray edges but it's not easily explained <laughs> it's not something to do well with a phone unfortunately. no it's it's a visual it's a very visual thing and it's quite convoluted so it can be done um, but flat mold's very straightforward but like i say make sure you attach him <laughs> to the baseboard um question number two is when applying an encapsulated silicon piece i use prosade to glue down the silicon and cap plastic however i found parts of the cap plastic stuck down and then crease with movement. Is there a way to stop this? Do I need to use another glue or is this the nature of cat plastic and glue together? A couple of things going on there. Um, one, it, it's because the cat plastic is non-porous uh, and you're using Prosade. Prosade has a tendency to, with, with heat and perspiration, reliquify, and that could be the culprit of, mm -hmm. that's causing those creases with the movement. It also could be, depending on how thick the layer of the cat plastic is, the thicker the cat plastic, the the more prone to that would have been my first thing. How thick is your cat plastic? Because it's hard to measure, but it sounds like the cat plastic is probably too thick. And also, like you say, how much glue? And the other thing is, if you put too much glue on, you know, you let it dry, then you end up with a big thick. Basically, it has the effect of uh, stretch and stipple. You know, anything you stick on the skin, um, and it does depend on the person's skin. If the person's skin is mm -hmm. quite loose or soft, then it's going to be more responsive to things like stretch and stipple. As we've all done in makeup schools, where you're doing stretch and stipple on like you know twenty year olds with perfect skin, and like nothing happens because the skin isn't loose enough for it to take effect. You put it on me, it looks great, but um, that's because my skin's all loose and baggy. So. Um, you know, you need another thirty oh, years yeah. on top of that. But uh, uh, but the the um, 
yeah, the cat plastic. Yeah. Uh, and also I think how far, and we spoke about this, I think the last time or the time before, not having cat plastic extend way beyond the edge of the silicon piece. <clears throat> and I've seen that a lot of people like will sculpt something and then like an inch away from where the sculpt ends, there's their cutting edge. And so the mold ends up being huge. Um, and you end up yeah, so there's a, a section on the face that's nothing but cat plastic on the skin. There's no prosthetic under it at all. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think so you want to minimize the amount of cat plastic you have. Uh, and also, um, yeah, making it quite thin. Uh, you want to go as thin as you can with cat plastic, I think. And you basically have to run them so that they're almost too thin. And what I found is if you spray your cat plastic, get it as thin as you can, and the way to check is with the pins. So you spray it in the mold and you want to spray beyond where your piece finishes so you can lift up areas of the cat plastic with a pin that aren't going to damage the piece. And then you want to go as thin as you can so that there are no like tiny holes when you lift it up and stretch. If it looks like a web where there are holes in it, then it's too thin. You need to run another layer. But as soon as it's not got holes in it, Done. stop applying it. Run your piece. And then I wouldn't open it until the next day because if you leave it overnight, your cat plastic will toughen up. And I think a lot of people spray extra layers of cat plastic. So they spray what they think is enough. They lift it. There's no holes, but it feels very thin because it was flexible. And I think that's because it's still fresh. And cat plastic takes a little time to mature, much like myself. Um, and I haven't yet. Um, but it's, it, you know, if you spray cat plastic and leave it an hour, it feels stretchy and okay. But if you leave it for 12 hours, it'll be as tough as old boots and still be really thin. So that way you'll end up with a tough... Well, if you're using the acetone... If you're using the acetone soluble cat plastic, it'll feel cold. It'll feel cool to the mm. touch for a, for a bit after you've sprayed it. So you know that's that's also a good indication that it it's not cured. It's not ready to to come up yet. Yeah, it still feels cool to the touch. And also the alcohol cat plastic I find is more flexible um, and moves better with the skin. And whether or not there's mm -hmm. a plasticizer you can add to the acetone cat plastic to approximate that. Because I know in the States you have plasticizers that you can add to cat plastic. I don't know if we allowed them or if we have them here. Allowed. Look at allowed. I don't know if they were like elite. I've used it more. I haven't used it with the cat plastic. I've used it in, in Prosade when I'm making 3D transfers. I add the plasticizer directly to the Prosade when I'm when I'm thickening mm. it up. Because I'll I, I don't like to put cabosil nope. in it because it, it stiffens it up. It, it, I mean it stiffens it up too much. I We'll put it in a in a dedicated mixer uh, on and just let it go on a on its slowest speed for several hours and let the water naturally evaporate and then you've got a much better you know it doesn't mm. shrink uh, and it get it's much mm. softer. I'm uh, but Motion Picture Effects Company they have an acetone soluble uh, cat plastic that's that's water clear and yeah, that stuff's good. It's available and concentrate or ready to spray. And I think it's every bit as flexible as the alcohol stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think maybe they've just got a nicer plastic that's more, more flexible. So it could be that, but yeah, I think the other thing I would check one last thing is to how soft your pieces are, because it could be that you're seeing the crease on the cat plastic, but actually the creasing could be happening underneath the silicone too. If the silicone's a bit stiff, if it's not soft enough, because sometimes people don't make it, like if it's plat gel 25, I probably want to go about 100% dead in our LV, or if it's gel 10, maybe 180, 200% dead now, if it's Smith's theatrical dead now, or if it's pro gel 10, probably 100%. So it all depends on yeah how soft your pieces are. Um, there we go. Yeah, and I think the same goes for the the smooth on uh, FX Pro. 
Uh, oh, I've got uh, another thing to mention here. Do, do, uh, oh, we'll come back to it in a second. Uh, question number three. Once I have applied a prosthetic piece, the silicon remains shiny. I have tried to use alcohol paints, translucent powder, talc, barrier spray, and more to try and dim the shine, but nothing seems to mat it down. Is there a product you can recommend to help mattify the shine? Well, you know, the Tom McLaughlin silicone finishing powder is one way. MAC Cosmetics also has a, a gel mattifier that I think it's called um, Matte Cream Mattifiante or something like that. Yes, which, which yes, is really that good. Which is really nice. You just got to be very careful. It only takes a very, very small amount to get, get good coverage. Yes, uh, that stuff is uh, good. They used to, um, Long Kong used to make one called the T Zone. And it came in like a, a green. It's like stuff of legend, um, and that stuff is is incredible. Uh, that is not available anymore. But um, Super Matte Anti Shine in the UK, which is made by um, Makeup International. Um, there's also the matting gels. Bluebird make one, and I think Allied Effects is another company that made one. And it's like an alcohol-based matting gel, and it's really really good. They do a gloss gel as mm. well. And it's kind of like the, the gloss sealer that you get from PPI. That's quite good, but obviously you want it matte. But um, but yeah, the uh, the the, the yeah, look in the Bluebird mattifying gel because that one's excellent. And then it's something you you place on the surface. I have a theory about that. A lot of the time when people run their molds, obviously they use Vaseline as a release agent. And so if there's a lot of Vaseline present on the mold surface, then when you run your cat plastic it takes on that smoothness, that shine. And then even though there may not be any Vaseline on the surface of the appliance, because it was placed onto a shiny, smooth surface, that's the, the, the finish it adopts. So it is shiny, but it's not sticky. And that's why powders don't tend to work because powders traditionally were on cosmetics that were still oily. So they would actually receive the powder by virtue of the fact that they were sticky. Um, but obviously appliances are not. So you should try that maybe. And the other one I've heard of, that's quite good is when you sprinkle um icing sugar into the mold surface before you run your cat plastic have you seen that one where you spray that yeah and then, you know yeah. that way you're putting down a matte finish into a mold spray your cat plastic on it and then when you take your piece out you can just rinse the plastic the cat plastic underwater that dissolves any sugar crystals it's like powder sugar you know really really fine and then that may have yeah. a, a matte finish i would still be tempted to use a mattifying agent over the top personally um, and one other thing we did on Dracula, which was really cool, um, and it was Dave Elsie's idea, I think. We, we painted the pieces, but they wanted to have a durable finish over the top so they wouldn't get messed around during application. And we sprayed a very fine mist of cat plastic over the painted pieces. And that had the curious effect of matting it down too. So that might be an option you could try. Obviously, you've got to be very careful. We keep, keep the brush far back so that it all but evaporates by the time it lands. Otherwise, you might disturb the actual cat plastic edge. Um, but it worked really well uh, as, a, as a mattifying agent. So that might be a consideration. We just check on that one. That was your three. I hope that helped, Anna. Yeah, and thank you so much for your support. It was really awesome um, to, to have feedback. Because this is the thing. We shout down the microphones. I don't know. We could be screaming into a fucking void for all I know. If someone doesn't come back and say, oh, I really like that, or I thought you were stupid. Anything, just so we know people are listening. That's good. And uh, there we go. Um, I had a really, really nice email from a guy called, I hope I'm going to pronounce his name right, Steiner Karstein. Karstein. Yeah. And he was telling me about... 
uh, his colleague. He's got a, a, a colleague called Per Steiner Hofton, and he has done. Uh, he he heard the the podcast that we did with Lars, who we mentioned. Lars had a um, Deadner calculator for silicone. Well, there's he sent okay, me a yeah, link yeah. to um, to Per Steiner's. Um, uh, website called FX Calculator and it's fxcalc.monster. I'll send you the link. Um, and it's basically a website that has all these different silicon softnesses, mixing, mix ratios, weights of clay to silicone, uh, density calculators, measurement converters, and volume calculators for, for cubes, silicon, ovals. It's really, really cool. I mean, it's balmy, but you're like, someone's doing wow. this stuff. So I will put a link to the effects calc dot monster uh, in the show notes. And once again, thank you so much to Steiner for getting in touch. And thank you, uh, Per, for sorting all this out. Because that, the people that do this stuff, you know, it takes a lot of work to put this stuff together. And then you just put there and then, you know, uh, we don't have a huge amount of clout. And I think particularly, you know, we don't have a massive, massive listenership, but I really think that the people that listen tend to really care about the subject. So it, it, it gives me great pleasure to throw a spotlight on anyone that's doing something that's, you know, through fucking effort and hard work trying to improve things. So you should go check that out. It's, it's really handy. <laughs> well, did, did you see the email that we got from um, the founder of Feedspot? Yes, uh, I did. That... That kind of blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, um, and so I can butcher his name, and you and you won't. <laughs> I had my turn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Anuj Agarwal, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He said um, he's the founder of Feedspot, and he would like to personally congratulate us as our website "Battles with Bits of Rubber" has been selected by their panelists as one of the top 10 prosthetics podcasts on the web. Which is interesting, but I'm like, how many are there? And there's a, there's a, link, there's a link to it. Well, well we're cool. listed as number one, which is cool. So I personally would like to give you a high five and want to thank you for your contribution to this world. This is the most comprehensive list of top 10 prosthetics podcasts on the internet, and I'm honored to have you as part of this. We'd be grateful if you can help us spread the word by briefly mentioning about the top 10 prosthetics podcast list in any of your upcoming posts. Well, I'm going to read through the, okay, uh, we'll see if we'll see if we can't get to that. We good, but, uh, but I, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm horrifically yeah, no, I, suspicious. So I'm reading the number one is battles of bits of rubber. That's good. Number two is ABC Credcast, which is a, a medical prosthetic podcast about prosthetics and, uh, Pet orthics. Yeah, and, so this, uh, these are like proper American Board of Certification you know, Orthotics. Yeah, yeah, medical prosthetics. And there's a daily dose of orange juice, a podcast uh, about amputees navigating the new normal, um, out in a limb. That's a great name for a podcast for amputees. An another medical medical one. Yeah, the, they all seem to be medically oriented. Yeah, so we're kind of except except they for must us. feel like we're hideously. Um, uh, unqualified to do it because we just happen to share the name <laughs> prosthetics. Uh, but that's lovely. So that's nice. That's been a good week. Very cool. And then the last email we had this, well, I think this came in today from Raymond MacArthur who was saying, um, thanks for lots of nice things. I won't read it all out, but it was basically saying, I mean, I remember going to this college. He's saying, oh, you might remember me, but I'm like, I do remember you. I, I remember, I, I'm pretty sure you had glasses and brown hair. Am I right? And I know you were doing a barbering course and it was at Greenock. I'm pretty sure it was James Watt. I think maybe in the college we were at. 
in Scotland and I was doing a demo there uh, and he, he shocked me when he said 10 years ago and I was like Christ was that really 10 years ago <laughs> but anyway he was saying um he was saying thank you and we've influenced him positively and I just think that's really nice to hear so thanks guys that's really sweet that's that's the one that kind of got me got me emotional yeah oh man yeah so uh, that's very very cool so I spent five years at college in total and in my third year I got my hands on Todd's book there we go which instantly became a bible while studying I felt the materials and process delivered to us with practical in their purest forms and getting to grips with the technicalities of mold making and casting dude that's awesome yeah so he's he's been working all over the world in 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 the seven years he's been doing it since finishing school he's been working in Belgium Lithuania um, and Prague Czechoslovakia Valencia Madrid um, Guadix in, in, in France all over the UK it's that's, that that's awesome oh thanks raymond thanks for getting in touch and letting us know that that's really cool so that's been yeah we've had a very uh, positive i think it's because we put two podcasts out in two consecutive weeks people have started to believe that we actually do do podcasts again because it's been that crazy kind of year where we uh, we let an entire month go by without a bloody mention and yeah if you're all quarantined why aren't you recording more podcasts that's a fair question i suppose um i've been tremendously busy actually <laughs> Like I maintain, if you have a job where people have to ask you, this is going to sound a bit weird, but I don't know if, if that's how your, your, your job start, you go, yes, that's probably a yes then. Um, so we, we will check that out. I had another thing I was going to tell you about, and I can't think what it was. Um, you talk for a bit and I'll try and think. Otherwise <laughs> <laughs> oh, we may be done. Put me on the spot. Oh. I had a no, thing and I can't think what it was. I'm sure we got plenty to talk I was going to about. Talk to you about something. You know, it's it's interesting because production production here seems to be up until just this week been picking up again. Um, you know, as I said, I'm I'm doing four days on a on a really nice commercial shoot, but as as a COVID compliance officer, not a not a makeup artist, and we've had some recent new surges in in covid and i have a feeling it's all gonna shut down again all right very quickly have you been finding people have been complying or has it been have you had to break up yeah actually actually it's, it's meetings that people are grouping together um, licking each other's noses because pretty, just not, not allowed to. it's been pretty painless that's good uh you know everybody is starting to get at least at least the the production folks that i'm I'm working with understand that yeah why some of this stuff may seem like it's overkill it's not intended to be oppressive or restrictive it's more of a you know better safe than sorry mm -hmm. it's like I'd, I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have right. it um there have been some instances where well it, some of the setups have been requiring we've had kids on set so everybody that is in zone a you know we're working with the with the zones so the clients are staying away from everything they have a, their own remote video village and they're socially distancing there um grip and electric is in zone b where they're minimally into into the set and certain when shooting starts they're all out and everybody that's in with talent is wearing a, a face shield as well as masks because the talent is not wearing masks. So everybody is, is getting yeah. it, you know, it's, it's on board. I, I was kind of half expecting there to be a little bit more pushback, but no, no not, not really. It's uh, 
you know, everybody signed pretty, I have to give credit to the producer uh, on this spot. Um, she's, she's a sharp cookie and she really did her, did her homework and her background. So everything came prep. I got, I got pulled into this like almost the day before they were shooting. They, they'd had everything changed. I think canceled a couple of times before they finally got together because somebody had been exposed and blah, blah, blah. Um, and they had a COVID officer that suddenly just wasn't going to be able to do the show. So I got, I got called and, you know, the day, the next day I'm, I'm onto this four day shoot with little prep time of my own. Fortunately, I've already put together a, a pretty comprehensive of kit of supplies with, you know, a digital thermometer and masks and disinfectants and uh, a really powerful UVC lamp. And so okay. I was able to step in without yeah. having to have a whole lot of preparation. Well, that's great, man. And that means, you know, that, that allows productions but to go ahead. They, they, they really had their, sh yeah, Excellent. they really had their shit together. So, you know, I had lists of everybody on the crew and they just would come in. They would sign the sign the list i'd take their temperatures write that stuff down give them wristbands for the zone they were going to be in give them a fresh mask if they needed one give them a face mm -hmm. shield if they didn't have one of their own and Excellent. boom we were Good off stuff, to the races man. making stuff work so we're on a sounds yeah we've we've been on location uh in in houses and you know outdoor locations tomorrow we are mm -hmm. on a sound stage all day so different may may need to be a little bit more vigilant with with things because we'll have a lot of people all in close proximity but space it's a large stage it. so yeah. it's, it'll be easy to socially it'll easy, be easy to space things out and hair and makeup will be actually in a hair and makeup room. it's tricky isn't it because when uh, it was so kicking off before it was like summer so you could have you know windows open and fans blowing and it was fine but now it's getting cold Mm -hmm. It's a different kettle of fish to have the windows and doors open all the way <laughs> through. Um, oh, I know what the other thing was I was going to yeah. talk to you about was um, somebody called uh, Thomas Tui. Tui. Have I pronounced that correctly? Tuhoe? Tui? T-U-O-H-E-Y. Uh, and he's uh, he's made this really cool thing. He's put up on Thingiverse, and it's uh, basically a drill mixer head with a quarter-inch, six-millimeter threaded center. And uh, I printed one off, and it's really, really good for yeah. mixing up small amounts of... Um, well, anything really, but it's, it's designed to draw up from the bottom. So it really pulls the materials up and mixes them. You just put it up on Thingiverse and it's just like, that's really cool, man. And uh, yeah, I, I used it to mix up some Jesmonite last week and it worked an absolute treat. So I just thought I would let you know that. Know that and I will put that link into the yeah. uh, show notes. It's thingiverse.com forward slash thing. And the number is 46483372. But uh, thank you, Thomas, for that. That's very kind. Um, and it works a treat. He's done a six mil and a quarter inch for. I'll have to give that one a shot. Users or those who are not using metric drillers, but frankly, uh, I, I would imagine if it's soft enough, you know, your steel bit might bite into. I don't know, it might not shred it, but um, but it works either way. Um, I was really happy with mine. It worked really well. So yay! Sounds good. Well, I've been. I've got. I don't know if you can hear it in the background. My my little resin printer, my little frozen Sonic Mini 4K is printing i'm i'm doing another test print in the background i have to replace the <laughs> the little plastic sheet on the bottom of my 
resin reservoir because it's like, be careful you don't puncture this with a toothpick or something. And of course, I'm the king of the idiots. <laughs> I, I say you punctured, punctured it with a <laughs> toothpick <laughs> trying to get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I've got to replace that. Uh, but I, I mended the, the hole with a little bit of super glue and it seemed to work just fine. But I'm, I've got some replacement plastic that I'm going to go ahead and do a proper job of they it. They do. Yeah. I mean, mine's a little bit. Because they do get scraped up pretty easily. I think the trouble is that it then prevents the light passing through. So you'd end up with a sort of a spot where, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't expose properly. So, yeah, it's probably not a bad thing to keep a couple of. Uh, does it come as a roll or do you buy them yeah. as spare sheets that you replace? They come in. They come in in sheets that are larger. I mean, it it probably would work for yeah. a larger printer as well as my little one, but they come in, you know, six by nine, whatever, and you pop it on, and then you just trim the excess after you've got it secured in place. Excellent. Oh, I thought of one other thing I wanted to talk to you about as well, or a couple of things. I did a really nice, um, uh, 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 we had a, a Zoom class on Friday, which was really cool using this camera, you know, with the with the EOS webcam thing. That made yeah. such a difference. That was cool. And it took me back to another class I'd done a while ago. And I was talking to well, there's a couple of things. One is I, I think I may have put my foot in it in a way, but at the same time, you know what I'm like, I'll, I'll say what I really think. And if that's the wrong thing that upsets somebody, then that doesn't make what I pointed out wrong. It just makes it awkward. But if the awkwardness is coming from the fact that it's true, then that's kind of shitty. Um, but, uh, one of the, one of the things I wanted to point out was depending on where you go, um, I, a lot of colleges, it seems, I don't know if you know this or if it's the same, but a lot of them will have assessments based on their makeup, but they'll have to produce the costume and everything else for it. And Mike, it's, it's yeah. a weird one. And, and I think maybe it's okay in some ways in my head because maybe things are changing, but it seemed to me if you were to watch, say you do, um, I don't know, a really cool, um, say you do the Frankenstein makeup on Robert De Niro. Uh, if he's wearing a jacket as the makeup artist, you are not required to make that jacket because that would be the costume department, right? Make the jacket. So, so if you have a certain amount Correct. of time to do an assessment and because the makeup you're doing happens to be an Elizabethan character, you, if you are as part of that assessment provide required to provide an Elizabethan costume, there's going to be some time that you could spend doing the makeup that you're not tracking down a rough and, a, a jacket and maybe you've got to make what you can't hire or find or whatever. And although there is some value in doing that, I would argue that as a makeup artist, you're never going to be required to make the jacket. So it seems a little bit shitty to no. rob some of their makeup time and include in that, like, do you know what I mean? And it's a little bit, especially if you've hired a photographer to do. Oh that. yeah. No, it's, it's also you're, you're grading them on, on something that, they aren't the, ma making the costume is not part of well, their responsibility as a makeup artist, but they're, but they're getting points taken off of their makeup because they don't have the proper wardrobe. Yes. See, and by, by extension, if you take your own photos and they're not very good, then you could argue that maybe you get 
demoted for not understanding photography well enough but they don't typically they typically they'll nowadays they tend to get professional photographers in so so it's acceptable to have a professional photographer relieve you of the burden of having to produce a good photograph but you are required to produce a good costume when you're not a costume person Mm -hmm. I, i share that that was one beef i had but i do think at the same time but it, to some degree, nowadays that there are more people doing cosplay and stuff, you could argue that maybe makeup and costume in that regard will blend in. But definitely for film and TV, they are separate things. They are different. Yeah. Well, this is where this is where the theater people will come in and say, see, I told you, because in the theater world, the costumer, you know, hair and makeup fall right. Under the umbrella of costumes. Okay, so maybe that's where they're coming from in the theater. In the theater world, it's only in film and it's only in film and television where hair and makeup are their own separate entities, and wardrobe mm-hmm. costumes is its own thing, which is I it's as, as I think it should be because in, in the theater world, uh, costumers, you know, even a a small show with with a limited number of, of cast members could have a crazy high number of costumes, depending on costume changes for different numbers, especially if, if it's a musical that, you know, every costumer I know has way more on their plate than, than they need to take on mm-hmm. hair and makeup responsibilities also. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think it's just so maybe that it's, it's perfectly valid, but it's just one of those things. Because the other reason I pointed that out when I was speaking to them, and this was a place that did do that, that's why it was a bit awkward. But the other thing that it it um, it brought up to my mind was when I go to see like trade shows, and you'll see these elaborate costumes because people want to produce something which is spectacular and gets photographed and noticed, which is a good sensible business thing to do, I suppose. If you do something that lots of people look at and take pictures of, that's a way of sharing your work by virtue of you're making it clickbaity in a way, you know what I mean? But I have seen people with very extensive costumes, things on stilts and they're all like flashing lights and, you know, very as as a spectacle, quite remarkable. But then when you look up close, you'll see the edges of the appliances are awful and the pieces don't match the skin color. And you kind of go, okay, maybe I'm just narrowly, I'm using a very narrow uh, prism to look through this stuff. But, to my mind, I mean, a huge part of what I do for a living and teach and spend a lot of energy perfecting with other things is overcoming the natural inclination for things to just look like they're not real. <laughs> like edges don't care about you. Colors don't naturally fall out the bottle right. That's effort. So when I right. see things that don't embrace that or really pressure test that difficulty it feels like a wasted opportunity and it's quite funny when you've got these amazing elaborate costumes and then people will ask you i really couldn't get the the color right or the edges right and i'm like so the cost so your college has had you design this huge thing but you still don't know how to do a good edge or match your skin tone and that just seems odd to me that you would be required to do something elaborate or encouraged to do something elaborate without getting the basics right but maybe it's just hard to get people to do the basics nowadays. They want, they just want a big thing to impress people in next year's yeah. well, that, ca- ca- catalog to get the new students in. I don't know. Is that an inflammatory thing to say? Yeah. Well, you've you've just been. No, I don't think so. I think you've you've actually hit on something that I've been been bitching about for years. Uh, even when I was um, teaching regularly at one of the colleges here, 
where the, the school is no more, fortunately. Um, but I had I had fellow faculty members who were expecting professional quality, you know, like like big time professional results from students who've never touched certain software before. They're you know they're still learning how to do this stuff. And I said, you know, I think some some teachers forget that mm-hmm. students are there to learn and make mistakes and figure things out in an environment where they don't have to worry about getting sacked and going on the bread line to to put food on the table you know it's it's i think it's very difficult if not downright impossible to be creative and learn something from scratch at the same time yes you wouldn't expect a, a junior and, and, and certainly not be able to to turn out professional quality results and if if they were able to to do those pro results yeah. right out of the gate yeah, that, that, that's, that's a ridiculous expectation. What the fuck are they in school for? They, you know, they, sh- yeah. they should be work. They should be working at a at a visual effects studio or yeah. or in somebody's yeah. shop sculpting things for The Walking Dead. They're in school to learn, and learning is is you know making mistakes is part of the learning process. And if you expect perfection from your mm. students who don't know how to do anything yet, well, I think that's unrealistic. Very unrealistic. And I think it's important to make people realize um, how long, I mean, obviously everyone's going to be different. Some people adopt things quicker than others, but it does take a long time. And I mean, if you're looking at, you know, people's work that you really admire, if you're looking at someone like Kazu or Rick Baker and you're holding yourself to that standard and saying, well, I've been doing this for a year now. Why am I not that good? And it's like, well, because they've been doing it for like 20, 30 years, 40 years, and they work Mm -hmm. so hard all the time. And also, not everyone is going to be doing the same level. Do you know what I mean? Like anything, like you could, you could all, you know, you, you, you could ask a bunch of people to do something and, and maybe, you know, two or three people really stand out. Then you do a slightly different thing and another different, you know, different two or three people stand out because it's a different thing. So it's like you, you really do have to change the, um, the, the, the scale at which you think you should be accelerating through this. It's like, you don't just do it. And then it, it's like, Oh, I've done a course for a year and now I know everything. It's like, no, you, it takes a long time to do it. And you, and if you don't know that you'll be, yeah, no, it takes a long time. You know, it comes, comes back to that 10,000 hours. Yeah. But if you don't know that you'll be beating yourself up thinking, you know, what you think feels like a long time, isn't it's like, it's, 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 it's it's realizing that you know you, you look at that makeup and you go okay like something like um i don't know the darkest hour for example a brilliant brilliant makeup no question done by very very competent people at every stage and they did a lot of different versions and they did tests and they had the best of uh, you know of everything at every stage and that's how it should be but if you don't if you're not aware of all of that effort that goes into it and you've been doing a course for a week and it's also a team it's effort. a team effort but i mean it's i've not had just one person but i've had emails from students who are like oh i saw the darkest hour and i want to do that for my assessment i've never made a prosthetic before and i'm like what the fuck are you thinking that's ridiculous who told you that that's what you should aim at that's do a nose and a chin. And if you can do a nose and a chin fantastically, then that's a real accomplishment. But they look at a nose and chin and they go, oh yeah, but the darkest hour was all of these pieces. So therefore my nose and chin isn't enough. I'm like, but it's enough for what you know, because it's more than you've been able to do before. And I think doing, doing, I think doing something, you know, it's, it's a, it's good to be ambitious and want to want to do big things. But if you don't know how to do small things yet, trying to do something 
bigger than you're capable of doing at that stage of, of your learning is going to do nothing more than discourage you and possibly put you off of doing it at all in the future. Yes. It's, it's a ridiculous thing to hold yourself to that standard. That's what I'm trying to sort of say. And it's, that's, yeah, that's why, that's why, yeah, it, whenever I tend to do demos at trade shows, normally it's because I'm just too busy anyway, but most of my demos are quite understated things. They're not, they're not the kind of thing that would have been on the front cover of Makeup Artist magazine, but for the 20 people that stuck around to watch me stick it on, they tend to have learned more from it because I will answer their questions and they'll, they'll have seen it and I've documented how it was made in the three weeks prior to the application. So they, they know what they're looking coming to see so it ends up being a bit more about that and i just think sometimes when a, a college or a place or is driven to produce visually appealing things to draw in attention that sort of supersedes yeah. the, the 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 what i believe is the honest graft the hard work of actually producing a realistic thing that looks real and that might not be yeah. as spectacular well i think demo makeups also are different from makeups that are being applied mm. to go in front of camera yeah. in in 15 minutes it's a demo you know it's it's usually a teaching moment where you're you're not fully concentrating on the application because people are asking you questions and you're trying to formulate mm. an answer that will satisfy them and and keep them engaged all at the same time as you're gluing on pieces and trying to get everything to line up properly your your attention's divided yeah and it's nerve-wracking as well as a demo you know if you do a demo makeup because you've got all these people watching you and but that's that's the honesty that's why i think having this conversation now if i meet you at a trade show or or people have met me i will be the same i will say the same things and think the same way because i'm absolutely straight with you about this it's like this is what i really think and you know, I'm not going to have a high big showman thing on stage. It's like, no, I, I, I don't know that this is going to work out. It might go wrong. I don't know. And I'll tell you if it goes wrong, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Because at the end of the day, I want you to see what doing it looks like. I want you to come away going, holy shit, he was nervous about that. He was worried about that. And I'm like, yes, that is what it's like. So when you are nervous doing this, you will understand that that doesn't really go away. That what you're feeling is right. That's how you feel when you do stuff like this. And you might no, yeah. Bill Corso and Rick Baker feel the same way. I guarantee it. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a case of doing it whilst feeling that way, so that feeling doesn't get doesn't get to dictate how you feel, or indeed that you should feel like you're abnormal for feeling that apprehension. That is perfectly normal. That's what I'm trying to say. And you get that from doing small things well, and then gradually increase your sophistication and scale, because that way you do things quickly you can turn around the time quicker and you're not burning through hundreds of hundreds of pounds worth of materials only to go oh i don't know how to match a skin tone i could have fucking told you that with a nose tip you didn't need to make you know a, a, an upper body demon to find that out it's like if you think <laughs> if you think you're not on the first floor you know if you think you can fly try taking off from the ground don't climb to the top of a fucking building and find out you know what i mean it's like it's, it's the same with this kind of stuff if you think you can do something, then try, and then you will be faced with your limitations. And then you can go, okay, this didn't work. Why? And gradually find your answers. And typically this stuff doesn't, doesn't just happen. Um, baby steps. And the other one, baby the last, steps. the last point I'm just going to make, and this may, I don't know if you've seen this over there, but I've been doing a lot of zoom classes and I'm hearing about a lot of college tutors that are required to do the same thing because they'll maybe depending where they've been at the moment, everything's kind of really tight, but um, a lot of colleges are just doing, you know, almost all of their 
teaching online or they have bubbles that come in in alternate days or something. Um, so a lot of tutors are being required to do their stuff on Zoom. So they're, they're mm -hmm. videoing their stuff, which is, you know, right and proper. But the trouble is, obviously, not everybody can make good videos. Not everyone's got the camera or the equipment or knows how to edit stuff or whatever. Um, and nor should they have to. I mean, that's not a tutor's job. Do you know what I mean? They're not fucking filmmakers. They're tutors. That's what they do. And something like makeup is such a hands-on thing. And it occurred to me, this this one college I was at, yeah. that everything, like the entire building was empty except for this one class. And the college, I think, kind of like the fact that they're not spending much money on staffing or they may and i can see them cutting down on hours and i can see them reutilizing videos that's probably going to be one of the long lasting effects of this whole pandemic un unfortunately well i think yeah i think it will and i think i understand that that places will strip back because uh uptake may not be as much because people can't do things or whatever where my problem is i think is when a college either charges the same for a course that is never taught by people like face to face. Yeah. So like the amount of fake quality teaching time you get is reduced by 90%, but the course fees only 30% less, you know, or something like that. And the other thing is that um, all this content that the tutors are being made to provide in theory, if they just run that course next year, um, that they may like not be necessary for as many hours because we've already got the video you shot last year and you don't have any ownership over that material at all. Whereas previously you did kind of have ownership over your, the classes you taught because they need you to teach them again, but you're not mm -hmm. necessarily getting compensated for the fact that once you've committed it to video in theory, they don't need you again because they've already, and they own that material. And it's an interesting, and I don't know if any tutors have really thought about this. Um, do you know what I mean? Oh, it may may ultimately come down to um, a residual I don't or think a royalty I just situation. Think use the videos and fuck like the next year, I don't uh, think we'll get into that. Is, yeah, no, you're you're probably you're probably right, but um, well, it is because at I, no point I have you agreed to sort of like to um, contribute to an ongoing uh, library of information that is permanently stored, and it's an interesting conundrum that hasn't happened before, because it's just not you know. Yeah, while the, the while the course itself belongs to the yes. school the information is coming from the tutor and they've put all of that stuff together with you know so it's, it's an advanced makeup design class and we want the students to, to it's a weird one man it's very learn, odd learn learn these have these skill sets by the end of, of the course yeah it's because I tell you this, this, this thing. Yeah, this. this I won't name it. Maybe we've just opened up a can of worms. That's maybe, gonna, maybe gonna create a nice I'm, discussion, which, which I'm, I'm all for. Well, it's, it, you know, maybe it, it's, it's, a, it's a, an interesting conversation. I'd love to hear for some. I'd love to hear from some other teachers. Yeah, and see what they think. I mean, I tell you why, because I've had another curious thing which happened. I won't name the college, but there was a college that wanted me to do something online, and then they wanted me to submit like the course material. So we basically discussed what we were going to do. I came up with a thing and a price and then they take my course breakdown and they're obliged to go to someone else and see if they can get it for less. Now you could, you could easily just shave wow. off 50 quid or whatever of a, of a thing having, having come up with the course content. So I've provided the content layout and the format, and then they're going to take that to someone else. And then of course they could say, Oh yeah, I could do that for a 10 or less. And then, 
and and you know this kind of thing has come from someone who deals with spreadsheets all day long so they're just looking at something and go oh so this person can provide the course in theory the course has got a name so you give that same course to somebody else and they can do it for less it's the same course like you're buying a bottle of budweiser or something it's like well if i get a bottle of budweiser from from you know one store and i or and i get one from another store it's the same bottle of budweiser so it, if i get it cheaper it makes sense i do it and i'm like yeah but it's not the same thing if one person who's been doing it for 25 years is delivering the course and has a bunch of printed material that they've already produced that they can yeah. supply to back up that stuff and somebody else has been out of college for a year says they can do the same course it's a do you know what i mean it's start you're starting to commodify something that isn't nuanced enough to reflect its true value i don't think oh yeah no i i can give you a i can give you a specific example from one course um at this college that doesn't exist anymore that i created the mm. class i mean they they let me develop the curriculum for this class they they gave it a name but it was my curriculum and i i gathered all of this information it was an acting class xxx it was a an acting class for animators basically teaching animators how actors create character and i taught this class for almost 17 years and you know it was all my content that i gathered from multiple sources you know that you could if you wanted to make the effort you could gather the same materials yourself and put it together into a into a curriculum but i did it it was it was in the order i created for it there you go um <laughs> thank you <laughs> and then suddenly one one quarter um i was no longer teaching that class they gave it to somebody else on the faculty and i won't go into specifics but it pissed me off and this instructor came to me and said hey can i have can i have your materials for the course <laughs> and i said yeah go fuck yourself oh, but it'll cost us so much money to, to 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 do this again i'm like no shit <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah it's that's my material not yours doesn't belong to you it's weird it isn't it it's weird you can go to an author it's about to release a book and say could you just send me a word file of your book uh, God, it's just a word file it's like yeah but it's taking me two years to fucking write it it's like it's what i do it's my thing <laughs> yeah but you can yeah. send it in an email yeah and you can fuck off <laughs> so um yeah oh man yeah. i've got more stories like that i don't know if i'm going to it now but it was just yeah i've had that i've had that i've had that there's certain places that i i don't work at anymore that have the stuff they were teaching was stuff that I came up with and, and, and wrote and planned, like you say, and then it gets corrupted. And yeah, they had a thing of like taking the stuff that I had done and then they basically sexed up what the curriculum was. They completely lied about everything. And there were students saying, what are we going to do this, this, and this? And I'm like, I didn't say we would be doing that. And then they show me the fucking curriculum that had been, they'd been sent. And it was like, yeah, no, I, I, and, and I went through it and I was like, yeah, I don't do it like this. And here's why. That's why I wouldn't do this. Somebody else has taken yeah. what I've written and twisted it and added things that we were never going to do. And yeah. The catalog is, is looks nothing like the actual course material. And that's why I will never fucking go there again. And, um, and yeah, and I keep hearing stories about how there's stuff being teaching. You go, oh, they're still using your molds. I'm like, oh yeah, no shit. You know, <laughs> or they don't even know that those molds came from me, <laughs> even though it says Stuart Bray flat molds on the side of the fucking thing. But anyway, um, but yes, so it's all a bit, yeah, these things happen. But do you know what? If you teach long enough, you're going to come across these things and um, people get fucked over. So I would always argue wherever you go to learn, 
uh, speak to ex-students and find out because there are places I know where those courses that the, the students are suing the place that taught them because they didn't get what they were told they would have because the place lied through its fucking teeth. Uh, so those people are available to find. So if you're yep. going to go to a college, by all means, yep. get in touch with the students of who went there previously and, and find out what their experience was because things on paper and things on websites always look great, um, but there's nothing like an ex-student to give you the proper lowdown on the inside. Uh, yeah. Do some homework. So there we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do your due diligence. But there we go. Ended on a bit of a fucking rantathon. You, you will be you glad get you did. Sometimes you have to rant um, because you know people don't realize this stuff goes on. Hey, but it just makes you older and wiser, and I'm a little bit more. Um, and there you have it. Reticent to uh, <laughs> to do new things with new people now because of it. But there we go. There you go. <laughs> it's not always the materials that let you down. Sometimes it's the the shell around which the the place is working. Well, see, that's the battle with the bits of rubber. That was a good chat, man. I feel much better after that. Thank you very much. I'm glad. It's, I think uh, it's it's only three o'clock in the afternoon, but it's a Sunday yeah. afternoon, and I think I'm going to go pop myself a Stella Ugh. and get ready for my shoot tomorrow because it's probably going to be an early call. I I had a five a.m. call on uh, on nice the nineteenth, my first first yeah, day. I got a couple thing, of those so coming which, up, <laughs> which meant that I which meant that I had to get up at three to be able to be on on location at the appointed hour. I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> I think I'm too old for this shit. I feel the same. Yeah, I sleep really well now. I go to bed. I go to sleep straight away. And the last thing I want to do is get woken up by you know a three a.m. alarm. But what can you do? got to be done yep once i'm up it's it, yeah. I'm, I'm fine but it's just that yeah <laughs> yeah because you know i don't sleep well i i'm i'm basically an insomniac <clears throat> so i go to bed at, a, at an hour that's going to give me i hope at least seven hours of sleep but i'm i'm tossing and turning so you know mm. literally awake every hour for 20 minutes trying then try to fall back asleep so in that seven or eight hour period i've maybe only gotten three and a half hours of sleep before the alarm goes off yeah it's always starting jobs i mean if it goes on for a few weeks you can get into the groove of it but always that first day certainly yeah. it's like the day before you go away on vacation you've got an early flight or something you're like because you've got that anxiety yeah. am i gonna is, is is the alarm gonna go off is the power gonna is is my phone gonna die or is the power gonna go out yeah so you're you're kind of yeah. always just waiting if is it now what now mm. is that the alarm Ugh. yeah <laughs> it's just the anxiety of being Especially an artist <laughs> Or a COVID officer. Wear a mask. Be safe. Be healthy. Are you home working this week? Or are you back out out on the road? Yeah, I got. Yeah, no, I got. A, I got a, a bunch of uh, things to. What have I got? I've got another couple of pieces to run. I've got some paint tests to do. I've made some more stencils to help with the painting. Um, oh, I'd like to see yeah, those. I've got plenty to keep going on with. I will show you. I'll show you at some point. Yeah, I will. Uh, well, there's still, I'll tell you what I have got. I'll go and grab the thing. It's really cool. I did the stencil using epoxy and I was using, uh, you talk while I go get the mold. One sec. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've done some stencils with, uh, I have one of these little vinyl cutters. That's what the heck is it called? I don't know which brand it is, but I've got one of these vinyl cutters that, 
Nix Herrera told me about a material that uh, it's a really fine, it's maybe one mil acetate that you can run through this this um, vi this vinyl cutter and do airbrush stencils. Nice. That I've got the material. I haven't tried cutting it yet because I've just been dealing with too many other other things. But maybe over the holidays when we're on lockdown again and can't do anything, I'll I'll play with that and try doing some airbrush cutting my own custom airbrush stencils with this cutter. Is that a cry cut? It's not that one. It's a, hang on. It's right, right here behind me. It's a... That's because it's expensive and it makes you cry when you cut with yeah. it because you realize how much it costs you to buy. Todd is now looking for things yeah. and he's well, rummaging around. Let's just call it the cry cut be done with it because <laughs> i don't see it i can't see the logo it's it's no the same basic basic thing but so that's my stencil look at that cool pattern oh wow and what i did was i made the um the the gel cut it's all over oversized i've got to cut it down but um uh it's 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 a epoxy coat gel coat and then it's the epoxy um laminating resin mixed with um uh, what's that light stuff called again? The really, really lightweight, smooth on stuff. Freeform oh, air. Yeah, free so I mix up some freeform air. air and then I put a few drizzled, a uh, few bits of the uh, epoxy resin into it to make like a really runny paste, put that all mm. over and then laminated um, a piece of the, the fiberglass, you know, that, that weft weave fiberglass over the top and then finished that off with another coat yeah. of the resin and, um, freeform air so it's sandwiched in there so it's strong and lightweight but a decent thickness so it's kind of not you know but the the the, the resin on the surface separated into this really cool pattern and it looks really nice so um that was just a kind of a lucky effect and i don't know why yeah, that, that is I, I don't know if the pigment separated on the surface or what but um, i was not expecting that that was an additional benefit it does look cool it looks looks pretty cool freeform air has a they have a new version of it's a faster freeform air oh cool um, well it's yeah <laughs> not really it's 10 hours um, instead of 12 or something like that. <laughs> yeah it's a it's a no it's it's a the, the cure time is still 24 hours that just has a shorter working time oh that's no it's good. like how is that no, a benefit? It's like, what, how is that how is that helpful yeah <laughs> it's like this is a can of coke it costs more but it's the same size it's it's, it's fat it's faster, but not faster. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, I, I never, I didn't have a problem with the working time of the original Freeform Air. No, I would just like, I would just like to have a, a four-hour cure time instead of a twenty-four-hour cure time. Yeah, well, I'm sure if it was easily done, they'd do it. But I mean, these molds that I've yeah. been making with epoxy, they do take so much longer. But it's just nicer. It's a nicer material. It's really I quite like working with the pots. I do love the free. I do like the freeform air. It's it's good stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna try some more. It's, it's strong and very lightweight. The only issue I have with the epoxy gel coats typically is they're just so thick. But I guess you could put a little bit of the normal laminating resin in it to thin it out. Could you? Yeah, I don't see why not. As long as it's thick enough to stay put in place, because the 
the oh. um the epoxy coat gel coat's quite nice like within an hour or so it's it's ready to get the medium is the one i've got and that seems to be quite a nice speed yeah. i quite like it but it's thick but it's quite creamy when it goes on but it would be nice if you could thin it down mm-hmm. i know you could thin it with acetone but it's quite nice if you could thin it with just resin i don't want to add something that's then going to evaporate out but um anyway I'm right. going to stop this podcast now because I think we're done, <laughs> but it's very hard to not, when you've been working away all week on stuff and you haven't really had a chance to kind of bounce ideas off of somebody else, it's a little bit uh, fractious. So I'm like, oh, I want to know more about that. But anyway, I'll shut up. Dude, thank you so much. It's been brilliant. Yeah, you bet. I'm glad we got a, ha- got a chance to have another chat so close after the last one. Yeah, well, I'm hoping we'll get this one out the next day or so, and then we'll record another one this week, definitely, because a lot's going to be happening this week, and I'll have more things to talk about. But as you've heard, we do actually get around to reading these questions out, so please do get in touch at stuartandtodd at gmail.com or our Facebook page. Yeah, or on the website, and they'll leave us a voice message. Yeah, you can actually do that. And tell a we friend. We say voice messages, an app on the on our website where you click on it and you can record straight from your phone. You can leave a voice message and we can play it out if you like or we can just not read it or play it if you don't want us to. But it's quite nice to have other people's because it's an audio thing. It's quite nice to have record a message. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to be able to put it on the on the podcast. Yeah, and, it, and it's free. So in case you're wondering, it, it doesn't cost anything. It costs me to have the service for the year, but uh, it doesn't cost you anything to make the call. Um, there we go. All right, dude. Cool. I will talk to you soon. Take care, man. Bye. You can get in touch through our Facebook page or email us at stewartandtodd at gmail.com. Check the show notes for more information. If you enjoyed this episode, tell someone else and help us grow by sharing it on social media. Thanks for listening.